Welcome to Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is a podcast where you follow the musical journey of an amateur piano player who is striving to play advanced level works one day, specifically Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which is where the podcast gets its name. Each week, we break down one of the pieces I encounter along the road to this goal, ranging from the 18th century all the way up to modern day. We'll explore the history surrounding the work, examine the music within, and hopefully we all walk away a little more informed and appreciative of classical music. This is episode 16.1, the first in a new series where we're going to check out selections from a recent work by Kevin Olson called Impressions on Color. Kevin Olson is an active performer, composer, and teacher at Utah State University. He maintains his own piano studio, teaching students of all levels, and he has also written more than 100 solos that have been published by the FJH Music Company, including the work we're going to talk about during this series, Impressions on Color. The collection was published in 2013 and contains seven pieces for solo piano, one dedicated to every color in the rainbow. And if we can remember that Roy G. Biv mnemonic, that gives us red, orange, yellow, blue, indigo, and violet. Olsen decides to open the work with a quote from Pablo Picasso, who says, Colors, like features, follow the changes of the emotions. Olsen used this quote as inspiration to write seven improvisational style compositions to illustrate the feelings elicited by each color in the spectrum. He writes, Have you ever noticed how different colors can affect the way you feel? Does a room painted dark red feel different to you than one painted a light baby blue? Would a yellow light at an intersection have the same effect if it was purple instead? Throughout the ages, humans have been fascinated with the ways color can communicate messages to us and influence our moods and actions. Different colors have been found to affect blood pressure, metabolism, and stress levels, the same way different types of music do, in ways that are personal to our own experiences and preferences. And Olson is right. The link to colors and emotions has been a topic of discussion for centuries. In one of the more prominent analyses, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe wrote the theory of colors in 1810. Goethe divided the color wheel into six main colors and assigned them each characteristics. Red, beautiful. Orange, noble. Yellow, good. Green, useful. Blue, common. And violet, unnecessary. He then further classified the colors by temperament, as described way back in about 400 BC by the Greek physician Hippocrates, who was also the namesake for the Hippocratic Oath. So congratulations, you've been accepted into med school in the BC era. Here is your first lesson. Hippocrates believed that there were four main personality types, which were determined by the balance of the four secretions of the body 
which were known as humors. You've got blood, which we should all be familiar with, yellow bile, which was believed to be stored in the gallbladder, and also present in vomit and feces, black bile, which was a substance believed to be secreted by the spleen, which caused cancer and depression. And here's a fun bit of etymology for you. The word melancholy is derived from the Greek words for black, melena, and bile, coli. So melancholy literally means black bile. The last of the four humors was phlegm, which included the delicious grouping of saliva, sweat, pus, and mucus. Blech. It was also believed to include the brain, likely because of the mushy appearance of brain tissue on autopsy. If the balance of the four humors was off, and one bodily liquid was in greater proportion than the others, that person was likely to exhibit characteristics of that particular temperament. Once again, let me remind you that this was 400 BC. Medicine has come a long way since then. So now that we're all caught up with ancient Greek medicine, you're probably wondering, what does this have to do with color? Well, Goethe incorporated these four humors and temperaments into his color theory. He also drew on the four basic Greek elements of fire, water, earth, and wind. No heart, though. This was a world pre-Captain Planet. Goethe wrote that reason, or the choleric temperament, was associated with the element of fire and assigned to the colors red and orange, meaning beautiful and noble. Intellect, or the phlegmatic temperament, remember, they believed that the brain was made of phlegm, was associated with the element of water, and was assigned to yellow and green, meaning good and useful. Sensuousness, or the sanguine temperament, was assigned to the element of air, and given to green and blue, meaning useful and common. Why he didn't assign blood to red, I do not know. And lastly, the imagination or melancholy temperament was assigned the element of earth and given to purple and red, unnecessary and beautiful. Which is fitting, because years later, people would find out that black bile itself is imaginary. Throughout history, especially during the Romantic era, people associated musical keys with specific colors. This concept was explored in a scientific manner in 1812, when German physician George Tobias Ludwig Sachs studied the first account of a condition where when certain people perceive certain stimuli, they experience a strong, involuntary trigger to their senses. He called this phenomenon synesthesia. Now there are many different types of synesthesia, but the classic description is to see colors, forms, or shapes when stimulated. For our discussion here, we're going to be most interested in chromesthesia, which is the association of sounds with color. Those who are able to experience synesthesia 
are known as synesthetes. Synesthetes who have the ability of chromesthesia commonly claim to have perfect pitch because their ability to see and hear colors helps them identify notes and keys. Chromesthesia has been described as something like fireworks that arise, move around, and fade away once the sound ends, or also like an oscilloscopic configuration of lines, moving with color, height, music, and depth. Think the visuals on Windows Media Player, or a spirograph drawing coming to life. The estimates on the prevalence of synesthesia vary wildly, from as high as 1 in 4 people to as low as 1 in 100,000. This is likely due to studies relying on participants' self-reporting, and people tend to be biased when they're reporting on themselves. There have been many self-reported synesthetes in the arts. Notable musicians include Itzhak Perlman, Billy Joel, Billie Eilish, Aphex Twin, and Pharrell Williams. Oddly enough, while this fascinating phenomenon of chromesthesia is widely reported, there's rarely consensus on the association of specific colors to keys. Keeping that in mind, this exercise is subjective, similar to the associations of emotion with musical keys that we talked about in series 15. But I found a pretty interesting color theory on music that appears to be based upon the overlap of the circle of fifths and the color wheel. It actually aligns very closely with Kevin Olson's work. And who knows, maybe Kevin Olson wrote it himself. <laughs> okay, maybe he didn't write it himself, but I speculate that he may have known about this theory as he was composing these works. So let's get started with the first selection from Kevin Olson's Impression on Colors. I've chosen to get the ball rolling with Impressions on Blue. Blue is Goethe's color for common, a part of the sensual, sanguine blood temperament, aligned with the element of air. Blue is one of the big ones. It's one of the three primary colors in traditional color theory, along with red and yellow. It's the color of the sky, the sea, sapphires, hot fire, a robin's egg, peacocks, hydrangea, Sonic the Hedgehog, Dory from Finding Nemo, Marge Simpson's hair, Cookie Monster, and strangely of all, it's the color of artificial raspberry flavoring. Blue is naturally found in the semi-precious stone lapis lazuli, which was popularly utilized in ancient Egypt to adorn jewelry. Then, during the Renaissance period, artists crushed these stones to make ultramarine blue, which was the most expensive of all the pigments. So expensive, in fact, that it was often reserved to only paint the robes of the Virgin Mary. Cobalt blue was another blue pigment used by artisans in history. The ancient Chinese used it to color porcelain, and European artists during the Middle Ages used it to color cathedral windows. 
Blue is also the color most commonly associated with harmony, and it was chosen as the color in the flags of the United Nations and the European Union. It's the color most linked to faithfulness, confidence, distance, infinity, the imagination, cold, sadness, intelligence, knowledge, calm, and concentration. It's the second most associated color to masculinity behind black. And based on surveys, blue is the most popular color choice. Almost half of all people choose it as their favorite color. Impressions on Blue is written in the key of B-flat major, which is the key of baby blue or turquoise. How fitting. B-flat major is a muted key, overshadowed by its two neighbors on the circle of fifths, the sweet and endearing pale blue F major and the bold and profound royal blue E-flat major. Being sandwiched between these two keys, B-flat major takes notes from both and creates a subtle, elegant, poignant sound. The interpretation of this key can be heard in the B section of Rachmaninoff's Prelude in B-flat major, which brings to my mind the rippling of water, which also falls in line with the interpretation of baby blue or turquoise. Characteristically speaking, B-flat major is the joyful, quaint, cheerful key. Love, clear conscience, hopeful aspirations for the future and a better world. Optimistic and able to take control in order to ensure peace. Olson provides four words under the title Impressions of Blue to summarize his own personal interpretation of the color. Peaceful, calming, serene, and introspective. This is a slower-paced piece in a ballad style that begins by stating its theme at the middle of the keyboard. It follows exactly what Olsen is going for. Peaceful and calming. Always flowing. And speaking of always flowing, about midway through this piece, the theme breaks out into a cascade of 16th notes with a counter melody in the left hand. After this section, the main theme returns, but this time it's two octaves higher, giving it a more delicate sound. The piece climaxes with a grand key change to D-flat major, and a final declaration of the theme. This new key carries out through to the end, where the piece culminates 
in a series of final chords. So here it is in its entirety. This is Kevin Olson's Impressions on Blue. Well, we're going to spend four episodes on this series, so while we won't hit the whole rainbow, we'll experience a majority of what the color spectrum has to offer. If you're a piano player yourself and are interested in learning any of these pieces by Kevin Olson, I'm going to post a link of where you can buy the sheet music for the entire collection in the episode description. Next week, we're going to ramp things up a bit with a more energetic color and talk about all things red. I'll see you then. You can find the standalone recording of the piece we discussed today directly in your podcast feed. Check out Piano Rhapsody on SoundCloud for all of the tracks heard on this podcast and more. You can find me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody or email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, 
the best way to support the podcast is to hit the subscribe button on your podcatcher and consider rating or reviewing. It's the easiest way to never miss a new episode, and it also helps the podcast gain more visibility. Thanks as always for your time and your ears. And remember, the piano keys are black and white, but they sound like a million colors in your mind.